Father, thank you that you want our heart. May we long for you. May we breathe you. Today now speak that which is true, because it's your so much worship team appreciate that very much well chosen songs Derek and, uh, you'll see more of that I'll try to tie them together for you a little bit today so uh, hey so um, I read a little uh, couple sentences on July or January 4th <laughs> on July 4th January 4th said this as the writer would say he's hey it's January 4th it probably means that you're still on track with your Bible reading. <laughs> thinking about those and thinking about that cartoon up there. I think I made too many New Year's resolutions this year. It took me almost a full day to break them all, right? Showed that last week if you missed it. But just thinking about that, as you have goals, you have directions, you have these things that you set before you that God's given you to, to be able to direct you for this year. So I say today, today is January 8th. Are you still on track with your Bible reading? Yeah? How many of you are on track with your Bible reading? A couple of you still. Okay, good. All right. Well, keep after it. Keep working on it. I've had a hard time getting back into my Proverbs Bible reading. I'm doing good in the other ones, but I've had a problem remembering that. that oh, yeah, we're back in Proverbs. I mean, I've been studying it all week, but still, to get those times in, to be able to read those chapters, I've just had a little hard time getting after that. So uh, you keep praying for me, and I'll keep praying for you as we go through this. Uh, hopefully you saw in the email that went out today, we were looking at Proverbs chapter 5 through 7, and you've been able to read that in preparation for the sermon even today. So as we get back into Proverbs, it's been a while, since about November the 13th, somewhere in there, 14th, whatever that Sunday was, uh, since we've been in the book of Proverbs, we've studied the wise guys. You did a great job working through that and honoring the Lord in that, so thank you so much for that. But just a quick overview for you as we look at this book again. There's kind of three main writers. We've got Solomon, we've got Agur, and we've got Lemuel. We're going to write Agur and Lemuel in 30 and 31, chapters 31. I remind you as it's put together, this is a book of Hebrew poetry. All right, it's, it's poetic nature. doesn't come out quite as well because it's been translated into English. But if we were to look at it really in that Hebrew, we would find out that there are just a lot of comparisons. Those carry over, but not necessarily in the way they do in the Hebrew poetry. But it is a book with many, many comparisons. A, line A says this, and then it says this. Or it goes, you know, it, sometimes it goes line A and line B and then C and D as the Hebrew poetry comes together. It's very interesting to look at it that way. But I remind you, it's a book of many, many comparisons. As we look at the book, we see that in chapters 1 through 9, there are mainly kind of some more specific topics that are covered, a little bit more in-depth toward those. Once we get into chapter 10 and we go through the end of the book, except for like chapter 31, of course, the excellent woman, the virtues of an excellent woman, they're mainly short, pithy statements that, the, that the Solomon has put together to be able to guide us and to help us think through our life. As I said earlier on, as one commentator said, as you think through the book of Proverbs, think principles over promises as we go through it. 
think principles over promises. I remind you that wisdom is personified as a woman because of the Hebrew noun is a feminine noun. So wisdom is personified as a woman. I remind you of this, the definition I've given you of a wise guy for what I've lived with is one skilled or an expert at godly living. And that's what we want to become, right? A wise guy, a wise gal, that's what we want? Yes? You bet. That's what we want to be. We want to be somebody who's skilled and expert in godly living. Not just getting by. That's not, not why Solomon puts it better. He wants to his son and to the readers as God has directed us that we would be skilled at this living for the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to live, as I've mentioned earlier, we want to live a God-focused life as in the words of Eugene Peterson, late Eugene Peterson, a long obedience in the same direction. That's what we want for our lives, that we wouldn't swerve to the right or to the left at the end of chapter 4, but that we'd stay on that track and we'd keep growing with Him, a long obedience in the same direction, because that's what God wants for us, and that's what God's going to want for us as we study verse chapters 5 through 7. So quick overview. You can do, have your Bible there, your tablet, your telephone, whatever you're looking at as we just go back through these chapters to kind of get ourselves going again as we think of chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He says in chapter 1, he says, honestly, sin is enticing. <laughs> Anybody disagree with that? <laughs> That's why we go that direction. Sin is enticing. And then he talks about wisdom's call as, as he begins and he starts talking about what wisdom what Wisdom calls out to us that we would follow, follow her. Chapter 2, the value of wisdom as he goes in, into this chapter and he says this, if you seek wisdom, you will, you'll find wisdom. So seek it and you will find it. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, trust in the Lord with all thine yeah, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine understanding and always acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. You want to do that so that you get in on his blessings. So you don't miss out what he has for you, the good things that he has for you and for me as we would trust in him with everything we've got. All in, everybody in, all in is what he would say in that. And then as you look at chapter 3, 19 through the end of the chapter, if you hold to the truth and love your neighbor, he says, as Solomon writes, then you'll reap the Lord's favor. We want that. I want the Lord's favor. You want the Lord's favor in your life. And he says, if you will seek and hold to the truth that I've given you and love your neighbor, make that as a part of it, you will get the Lord's favor. And we go into chapter 4 and he says this. He says, get and hold on to wisdom. Get and hold on to wisdom. Hold fast to it. And then you'll, if you'll do that, you'll walk the path of wisdom. Well, that only makes sense. If you've got wisdom in part of your heart, this is how you're going, you will walk that path of wisdom. And you'll walk that path of wisdom by guarding your heart, tongue, eyes, and feet. You'll hear more about that in the rest of the sermon. Now, as we get into chapters 5 through 7, and if you happen to have read it, Solomon gives us extended thoughts on a very relevant topic. He's going to take a break from this topic in chapter 6, verses 1 through 19, which I'll cover on the 22nd on Sanctity of Life Sunday. But this is by far the most verses dedicated to one topic in one section in the whole book of Proverbs. One topic in one section, all together with a number of verses about this one topic. And you can see as we look at our Bibles, we see the headings that come out. 
Chapter 5, my Bible, warning against adultery. Chapter 6, verse 20, warnings against adultery. Chapter 7, warning against the adulteress. You got the topic for this morning? It's only pretty clear what Solomon is going to talk about in 5 through 7. Now, I want to remind you this. I haven't picked this out to go against anybody. I picked this out because it's the next chapter after chapter 4. <laughs> and we're getting back to Proverbs. Just following the, the text is all we're doing this morning. I'm going to highlight the significance this morning. We don't have time to read every verse and discuss every verse. But I'm going to highlight the significant this morning. But first, I want, to, I want to say this. I'm going to expand the thought of adultery, and I'm going to include sexual immorality. Because I think it can be covered in that with it. I think we can put that together. Not just this one topic. But I'm going to put that together to talk about a top topic that's difficult, not easy to talk about, but it's just the text. And therefore, we want to deal with it. I'll seek to keep the discussion appropriate as best I can. But I will mention things that Solomon speaks to his son about. Technically, adultery is a married person having an affair, an emotional or physical relationship with a person who is not their spouse. If you look it up, I made that definition before I looked it up, but I looked it up and it's like, hey, I pretty much agree with that. <laughs> Glad the dictionary got it right. Adultery is somebody who's married having a relationship, emotional or physical relationship with somebody who is not their spouse. But Jesus broadened the definition of adultery in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 28, when he said, you have heard that it was said, speaking of the Old Testament, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He says it's bigger than that. It's bigger than just, just the act. It's the thoughts that could go through with it too. And we can say we're not just talking about men here. We are also talking about women too. It includes all of us in this definition. But let's apply the principles we're going to discuss in Proverbs to aspects of sexual immorality that are to be inferred from other passages in the Bible. When you go to the word and through the Old New Testament, the word for sexual immorality is pornea. It's the Greek word, and it's the word we get the word pornography from. And that word encompasses other aspects of immorality. Premarital, extramarital, homosexual relationships, pornography, I'm adding a lot here, sexting, wife swapping, polygamy, sexual talk, incest. All those things are, can be included in there, inferred from the use of this word throughout the context of their world, as Paul wrote and as Peter wrote, but also as we look at our world and see is about us today. I remind you of this. 
that Moses, under God's authority, wrote in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. He said, For a man shall leave his father and his mother, and he shall be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Jesus quotes that same verse in Matthew chapter 19. Paul quotes that same verse in Ephesians 5. So when we look at what marriage is, he makes it very clear. God makes it very clear from the beginning to Jesus, to what Paul says, as I've described and put it in my own words. Marriage means one man, one woman, one life, one lifetime. That's what marriage is. That's what God's called us to do. A man shall leave his father and mother, and he shall cleave to his wife. A man, a woman, a life, and a lifetime. Now, we know that it gets messed up. Oftentimes, we understand that. It's, it happens. But that's God's best for marriage. I also say to you that when it comes to intimate relationships, physical, sexual relationships, this is God's standard. One man... One woman, married together, one life, one lifetime. It's the same thing. What his desire is for marriage and what his desire is for intimacy is exactly the same thing. Now, why did God do that? Well, because God's God and he knows what's best for us. He knows what will keep us out of trouble. He knows what will prevent bad things to happen to us. And he loves us and he cares for us. And he knows the good that would be good for us if we'll just follow it. When we step out of God's will in our intimate and physical thoughts and acts, we grieve the Lord. Here's why. Because the first relationship God created was marriage. A man and a woman coming together. He didn't create the church first. He didn't create his people first, Israel. The first relationship he created was man and woman coming together in a married relationship. And so we, if we don't follow that, we grieve his heart deeply because that's the most, that could be considered the most important relationship on earth in any way because that's what he created first. And we step out of that and we don't do God's will in that area. We grieve him deeply because we've not followed his direction for us. Let's remember, do not commit adultery is the what commandment? Number seven. I knew you'd not help you out there. It's number seven. It's got to be really important if it made it into the top ten list. Again, I'm expanding it. Expanding it to include what we see. Yesterday I read these words from Pastor Wayne Letts, Lentz down in Arkansas. I thought it was so good. He said this. First of all, when he's speaking about marriage and intimacy, God defines what we are to love, not you. Secondly, you can never separate love from holiness, as our love must have a standard. Thirdly, it is God, not man, who has defined marriage. That is the standard. Fourthly, because true believers strongly love God's holy standards, we hate that which mars and blasphemes God's intended design. 
because we strongly love God's holy standards. We hate that which mars and blasphemes God's intended design. To be able to follow what Solomon writes, what Paul writes, what Peter writes, what Jesus says, we must guard ourselves. I know that's not new to you. (laughs) But we must guard ourselves. We recognize that adultery or sexual sin is a powerful, powerful temptation. We know that there are a multitude of temptations presenting themselves to us each day. Displaced priorities, idols that grab our attention, unholy speech, disregarding the day of focus on the Lord. Now maybe they'll become familiar to you. Murder, adultery, stealing, lying, coveting, just to name the ten temptations in the Ten Commandments. We all know those. Those those are around us. Those are the things that that we struggle against because those are temptations. But sexual sin is a very powerful temptation. And we know this. We know that temptation is not sin. Right? Temptation is not sin. You remember Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was tempted three times by Satan. He could have been tempted more than that, but those are the three that Matthew happens to record. And we know in the midst of that, that what happened? Jesus did not sin. Oh, he's tempted. Very real temptations. My goodness. Practical temptations. Satan saying, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and Jesus coming back and saying, it is written. You should not go this direction. I will not go this direction. Wow. He stood up to it and did not sin, though tempted. We know James chapter 1 and verse 14 tells us that we are tempted when we are lured and enticed by our own desires. And then when desire or temptation has conceived, when it's acted upon, it gives birth to sin. But temptation is not sin. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. (laughs) Whatever your temptation is right now, whatever your temptation is at 1 o'clock this afternoon, we all know those are temptations that are common to man, they're common to women, they're common to teenagers, they're common to children. There are things that we struggle against, but we are lured and enticed by our own desires in that. When it comes to sexual temptation... Author Steve Arterburn calls it Every Man's Battle. Some of you maybe have been through this book. A great book. He did a great job. It's been revised. Every Man's Battle. Well, it could be maybe every woman's battle too. But we know men, we struggle with this area probably more than women do. And when this temptation or any temptation comes and knocks on our door, we must guard against it. And Solomon exhorts us to, first of all, guard our heart. To guard our heart. Notice what it says in 6.25, Proverbs 6.25. He talks warnings against adultery. He says, do not desire her beauty. This is somebody that doesn't belong to you. You're not married to. Do not desire her beauty in your heart. And do not let her capture you with her eyelashes. <laughs> Must have been something significant about that back in that day. 
But let's just concentrate on the first thing. Don't, do not desire her beauty in your heart. 423, what we studied a couple months ago. Above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for from it, everything you do comes from it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do comes from it. Now, Jesus talked about the heart, and I don't really like what he said, but I know it's true. He said this, Matthew, Mark, chapter 7, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Do you think he got them all? <laughs> wow. What a list. What a list of temptations. What a list of things that rise up, unfortunately, from inside us. And he says this, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Woo. Woo. I don't know, probably most of us don't have that verse memorized. <laughs> but we know it. We know our hearts. Jeremiah says, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, we know it. We know how it is. So when we think about guarding our heart, our, our practice should be Psalm 119.11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I what? That I might not sin against thee, against you, God. That needs to be our practice. That we hide God's word. A number of you have indicated that, hey, this year I'm going to work on memorizing. And I've been working on that. Trying to get some more verses into my heart. Because I don't want to sin against him. And we know we can have those verses there. We still can sin, of course. We have to apply them. But what a great thing to do. Our practice being, I have hidden your word in my heart. I've stored up your word in my heart. I've treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And our prayer should be Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. Where, where do the words of my mouth come from? The meditations of my heart. <laughs> Let those things be holy. Let those things be acceptable in your sight, Lord. Why? And how can you help me? Because you're my strength. You're my rock. You're my redeemer. You can help me. What a beautiful prayer to put into your life, to put into my heart, to memorize that verse to help us in these times of temptation. I read this quote by A.W. Pink. Some of you maybe have some of his books, a great commentator. He said this, An honest heart seeks to please God in all things. That kind of jumped out to me. Everybody in, all in. An honest heart seeks to please God in all things and offend Him in none. An honest heart seeks to please God in all things and offend Him in none. So think about guarding your heart. Keep your heart beating and longing for the right and godly thing. Keep your heart beating and longing for the godly, the holy things. 
Hmm, did we sing a song about our heart today? Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. It's right here. He wants our heart. To love Him with our whole heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. Who we are. we got to guard our heart. Well, this passage, He also tells us that we need to guard our feet. He says in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, keep your way far from her. Adultery, this woman, let's call it sexual sin. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Guard your feet. Chapter 7, if you've read it and you know it, is a picturesque story of a foolish young man who goes near the sinful woman and walks right into her house. And it says of this man in verse 22 of chapter 7, it says, All at once he follows her, as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag or a deer is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. And Psalm says, Don't go near. Don't go walking that direction. We all know how that is. Got this great book by Patrick Morley called The Christian Man. Patrick Morley, Morley's original book was Man in the Mirror, 24 Things That Men Struggle With. Great book. And he's followed up with this. This is a conversation about the 10 issues men say matter most. Great writer, great story. He says and quotes in this book, and I quote him, he says, If you are where you shouldn't be, you're more likely to do what you shouldn't do. <laughs> Don't we all know that? If you're where you shouldn't be, you're more likely to do what you shouldn't do. But let's put it in the positive. If you are where you should be, you're more likely to do what you should do. And Solomon says, don't go there. Don't get over there because you're more likely to do something you shouldn't do because that's where you're at. But we would say, listen, if we go the right direction, we look to the right direction, and we put ourselves where we should be, we're probably going to be more likely to do the right thing. Amen? Yeah, it kind of works that way. Sometimes, like the sinful woman in Proverbs 7, sin comes walking toward us. <laughs> we all know that one. You're just sitting there minding your business, and all of a sudden, uh-oh, where did that come from? So we need to be like Joseph in Genesis chapter 39. He left his garment in her hand, and he fled, and he got out of the house. When that lady, Potiphar's wife, doing everything she can to get him in bed with him, he said, man, I'm at her. I'm getting out of here. I got to get out of here. And he fled. He got away. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. Don't hang around it, it says, and hope you can get out of it. Don't make sure you get over here and put your toes over the edge and think you're going to be able to stand. Just flee from sexual immorality. We, we know that. Whatever the temptation is, we need to flee from it. But we know that sometimes we don't flee from it. Flee from that which you should not be and what you should not do. Don't go looking for trouble. Because you're likely to find it. 
keep your feet at home. Keep your feet at home. We also need to guard our eyes. Chapter 4 says this, verse 25. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Job says in chapter 31, verse 1, He said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. What a great covenant. Women, if that's the case for you too, you make that same covenant. That you would not look lustfully at a young woman. With Morley's statement, if you're looking at what you shouldn't be, you're more likely to do what you shouldn't do. If you're looking at what you shouldn't be, you're more likely to do what you shouldn't do. What are the areas where we find ourselves? Channel surfing, YouTubing, those things we would go to, and you know what God's going to do, or not what God's going to do, what our heart's going to do, what Satan's going to do. He's going to put those temptations up there before us. And if we're not there, we don't have to worry about that temptation. Carmen singer from many years ago, many arrived, he had a song about this. He said this. He said, keep your eyes on the creator and not on the creation. <laughs> when it comes to noticing and following, keep your eyes on the creator and not his creation. He's made it a good creation. Wonderful illustration in this book. Mike loves God with all his heart. Yet he made a regular practice of checking out beautiful women. One day he realized that what he was doing was a sin against his wife. He made a commitment to stop looking and lusting. One day, not much later, Mike said, I was sitting in a restaurant just finishing my meal. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a very sensual woman walk into the restaurant. I was determined that I was not going to look at her in lust. I didn't know what to do, so I prayed and asked God for help. As it happened, there were about three peas left on my plate. I decided to focus on those peas and began to stare, stare real hard. <laughs> I felt like my head was caught in a giant tug-of-war. One force pulled my head jaw upward to look at this woman. The other force yanked my, my eyes back toward those three peas. It was a bare-knuckles brawl between old habit and new commitment. My face was half twisted toward her, but my eyes bulged out to stay glued on those peas. <laughs> Finally, the battle began to subside. A few moments later, it was over. I had won. God gave me a spiritual victory. I'm still I'm tempted to lust, but God has given me the power to have victory every time I ask Him to help. <laughs> Think of my outline. It it's, says about the three peas in here in the, the bulletin. That's what it takes. Look at the three Ps, okay? <laughs> Keep your eyes focused there. Look straight ahead. We all know the temptation. At least men, we know that temptation. Keep your eyes on the Ps. You're probably not going to forget that. And women, if it's an issue for you, do the same. Do the same. Find God's help. Remember that little song? Be careful little eyes, what you see. 
Careful little eyes, what you see. Follow up with that music. Fourth thing he tells us this. Guard your hands. I'm just reading the scripture. He says in verse 20 of chapter 5. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? The answer there is, no, you shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. So we have to guard our hands. Don't touch what doesn't belong to you. First Thessalonians 4, 6 says this, And in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother or sister. King James calls it defrauding. We could use another word. It's called stealing. It doesn't belong to you. You're stealing. And you're taking what doesn't belong to you. Keep your hands to yourself in the area of sexual concerns. Be careful, little heart. Be careful, little feet. Be careful, little eyes. Be careful, little hands. Guard them. Guard them. Above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your feet. Above all else, guard your eyes. Above all else, guard your hands and not find yourself succumbing to temptation in the area of adultery or in the area of sexual immorality. we got to start on the inside. We know that because that's where Jesus said it starts. It starts on the inside. God, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Let me be like you in all my ways. Create in me a clean heart, Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, and let me be like you in all my ways. I want to want what you want, Lord. Let your desires be mine. We must guard ourselves, but we can guard ourselves by remembering as Solomon gives to us. First is this, by remembering to hold fast to biblical teaching. Note what he, he says to us as he starts. My son, chapter 5, verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. 6, 20 through 23. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching is a light, and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 4. My son, keep my words. Treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. Chapter 7, 24. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. When it comes to this area that's difficult and hard and these temptations, we need to hold fast to biblical teaching as Solomon tells us. Solomon says, hold on to these things. Keep them close to you. Follow them. Apply them. Don't let them get out of your sight. Hold on to them. In our world, it's so easy to be deceived by our culture. All the things that are around us, all that used to be bad, that used to be sinful, now, well, well, they're all right now, okay, because we've changed, we've evolved. 
Jesus said this about the Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. That's the one guiding our culture. There's no truth in him, because he is a liar, the father Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Why? For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk as children of holiness. Walk as children who are like Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that he receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you're doing, that you should do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through Jesus Christ? This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Hold fast to biblical teaching, to the truth of God. I sang a song earlier. It goes something like this. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Oh, I know it says fear, but... Let's just put it in our text. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Why? Because I'm a child of God. What's your identity? What's our identity in Christ? We are children of the Most High God. That's who we are. And then we need to remember whose we are. We are His. Therefore, we want to please Him in everything we do, everything in, all in. But we know we're not going to do that. Of course, we're going to sin. But that should be our desire, amen? Our goal that we would please Him because of who we are in Him and who He is. He says in First Peter 1, Be holy because I am holy. Follow Him. We can guard ourselves by remembering first to hold fast to biblical teaching. 
Secondly, we can guard ourselves by remembering that the Lord knows what we are doing. Notice what it says in, back in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21. It says this, For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. And if we could just get into our hearts and understand that while the temptation's coming, there's somebody right beside us. Or there's somebody inside us called the Holy Spirit. If we could just remember that, it would be much easier to go, no, I'm not going that direction because the Spirit, Jesus wouldn't go that direction. But sometimes we forget that they're just hanging around all the time. If we just remember that the Lord knows what we're doing, that if we're moving that direction toward impurity, that He knows what we're doing. Why did, Jesus, why did Joseph leave his garment in the Potiphar's wife's hand and flee and get out of the house? Because it says he remembered that the Lord was watching. He said these words, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He wasn't just a great man, you know, who just said, you know, this is not a good place. He said, this will offend God. And he had it all laid out before him. He said, I can't do this. I can't stay. I can't participate in this. Because I'll offend the God that I love. Be careful, little heart. Be careful, little eyes. Be careful, little hands. Be careful, little feet. Why? For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. He knows. And he's looking down. Not in condemnation, but in love. Cheering you on, saying, don't go that direction. Don't go that way. Go my way. But he knows what we're going through. WWJD may not have it on your wrist anymore, but it works. What would Jesus do? Oh, he had all the same temptations we had. But he chose to follow his Father. He chose not to walk that way. He chose not to lust. He was tempted, but chose not to. We guard ourselves by remembering to hold fast to biblical teaching. We guard ourselves by remembering that the Lord knows what we are doing. Thirdly, we guard ourselves by remembering that sin is never profitable. Here's what Solomon says. 5, 9 through 14. Lest you give your honor to others and your ears to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner, at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. 22 and 23 of the same chapter. Solomon. 
the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for the lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. 6, 27 through 29, he does it in. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. Carrying on, verse 32. He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonest, dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse through, through though you multiply gifts. This is my own little statement. You will get burned if you get hot with another man or woman. <laughs> so Solomon says, 7, 22 through 27. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as a stag is caught fast, till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know what it will, that it will cost him his life. And now, O sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't stray into her paths, for many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. He didn't say this. Solomon did, but Rick Ferguson did many years ago. The only thing more costly than obedience is disobedience. The only thing more costly than obedience is disobedience. Obedience isn't easy. Let's be honest. It's hard in this day and age. But it's not nearly as costly as what disobedience is. You see, obedience to the Lord and His ways makes for a joyful heart, happy feet, clear eyes, and clean hands. <laughs> I remember seeing a message, spray-painted, in orange spray paint on the asphalt at an intersection that I stop at a couple times a day. And it said, I can't remember exactly, but it said something like this. It had a name. And it said, was it worth it? I'm pretty sure that it was from a wife messaging her husband, which I can only assume Was it worth it? And the questions have to be asked. Will the affair, will the sexual sin be worth it when you possibly lose your marriage? Possibly lose your kids? Possibly lose your job? Possibly lose your reputation? But here's what I know is worth it. Remaining holy and pure and chaste faithful. So you have, as they say, no skeletons in the closet. So you have no memories in the mind. So you have no apologies to make. And to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's worth it. That's worth it. Stay holy, pure, chaste, and faithful within this commitment. One man, one 
woman, one life, one lifetime. And whether you're married or not, you still can follow that principle for your life of holiness, righteousness, and goodness, and faithfulness to Him. So that He'd say to you and He'd say to me, Well done. very, very kind to listen. I know this hasn't been that easy. If this area of sexual immorality is an issue for you, God wants to free you. He wants to free all of us in the temptations that we struggle with, because we all got them. I'd ask you right now just to ask for forgiveness. Silently in the quietness of your heart. Ask for forgiveness. I'd ask you also to repent. Repent means to turn away from that and to turn toward the Lord. We're going to have to keep doing that. We know that. But right now, I said, Lord, I don't want to go that direction. I want to go your direction because it's the good way. It's the right way. It's the holy way. It's the pure way. If you need help, ask the Lord to provide somebody who you can be accountable to. Somebody to share your needs with. Honestly, it's not easy. God can provide that for you. And then, just learn to pray in the midst of those temptations. Have a God sense about us when they come. Pray that that pull toward Him would be greater than the pull away from Him. Lord, I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I want you to be a say of me. Well done our good and faithful servant in this temptation and the next temptation and the next temptation because they're going to come. Thank you that we have biblical truth. Thank the Lord for that. Tell him you want to follow it. Because it's good. It's good for me. It's the right thing. It has blessing and goodness to it. Thank him for the help that he's going to give you. Father, we want to bring honor to you individually as a body. You know, this is a big deal. And so help us. Help our heart. forgiveness you give us. Keep speaking truth to 